Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to From Bob's Office. Today is Thursday, January 16th. I'm your host, Jake Mathis. It's also 9.17 in the morning. Did I not say that? No, you didn't. Oh, yeah, it's too early in the morning. <laughs> I'm Jacob Bomber, and the next voice you hear belongs to an incredibly talented musician, songwriter, and teacher, an enormous sports fan, and a very good friend of mine, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Kell. Nice to be here. Hello, guys. You look <laughs> chipper and uh, awake for this hour. It was really hard for Jake. It was. Yeah. I I told him I had to pick him up at 8.30, and he wanted to cry. I, I was like, oh, man, all right. We'll see what I can do. Because normally Thursdays are the day I sleep in because we go bowling on Wednesday nights, as many of you know. But So I normally sleep in until about about 9 normally, which is kind of what it is right now, but I don't get out of bed to like 10 on Thursdays normally. So it's kind of rough. Yeah. You seem like you're managing, though. I'm trying. Yeah. It, yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> the struggle. Is real. It is. It's good to be here. Good to see you guys. Good to be at this place. Yeah. Bob's office. I'm I'm surrounded by uh, guitars and and sort of. I mean, I almost thought about that. Like I was, I thought, should I bring a guitar? And then I thought against it because we should talk. Well, the guitar is my whole life. When Jason Dunn was on the podcast, he, he played held the whole it. Time, yeah. He didn't necessarily <clears throat> play the whole time, but he held it because he yeah. felt much more comfortable in front of a mic behind a guitar yeah. than just I could see that. sitting. But yeah. yeah, I've pretty much lived my entire life behind a guitar, hmm. <clears throat> which is weird. I mean, but true. Like since 15 years old, probably. Hmm. It's kind of led me through the adventure that we all call living. What made you pick up a guitar? I I was from a, a really sort of blessed era in that I was born in 1950. Hmm. So, you know, when you think your first response to that is, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, but, <laughs> but being born in 1950 means that when I was 16 years old, I saw the Beatles live. Wow. The Seattle Coliseum. Wow. Um, the radio was Motown and... Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and Johnny Cash was country music. It was like a golden era that wow. even millennials tip their hats to to this yeah. day. I mean, the popular pop music of the time was like incredible. There was lame stuff too. But so I heard a band when I was in junior high school. They called it junior high school back then. Now it's middle school because high schools were like uh, tenth grade, tenth, tenth grade. eleventh, twelfth. Yeah, middle, uh, junior high went through ninth grade, right? Yeah, and it started in seventh. And I it started believe. in seventh. Right? Yep. Sixth grade was still elementary school, hmm. and that was pretty much all across America back yeah. then. They they literally called it junior high school. But there was a this is the answer to your question actually. <laughs> there was a a band, kind of a surf band, kind of a you know I was I was in middle school, so I must have been thirteen mm-hmm. or something. And there was a band that played in our lunchroom one day mm-hmm. like they just somehow this band set up and played and they weren't even very good probably as i look back um but i stood there like mesmerized kind of like oh you could do that like you can mm. do that and i hadn't ever really felt that way except playing sports a little bit i was a fairly good baseball player and i loved that but music was like this mm. you know like this magical like door and Within a year, I was playing and writing and full on. I, I discovered it quickly and kind of got into it really quickly. Hmm. 
what was the learning process like? Did you have a guitar teacher? Were you just picking stuff up on your own? That's a good. That's another good question because the the thing is nowadays there's four or five kids with guitars on every block yeah. in Long Beach, you know, and in in my neighborhood it was me and another kid. I literally knew two guitar players, one was me, (laughs) but he was pretty good and played Simon and Garfunkel and that kind of stuff. Uh, Sounds of Silence was a hit when I was in high school and stuff. And he and I would sort of voracious, we were voracious about it. Like we just, whatever one learned, we would teach the other. And so I got pretty good. And the other thing about it too, is that since there was no internet and no tablature and no tutorials yeah. we had to figure out Beatles songs on yeah. our own and Beatles yeah. songs are complex yeah and you could buy a book uh, a song book back then and go oh it's G flat minor they're playing you know like but uh it was so it was me and a guy named Larry Vote who went on to have a music career too both wow. of us did he, he went into classical music and is a mm-hmm. conductor at a at a Catholic I think a Catholic uh, college back east like Concordia, one of those. And you still like keep up, like yeah, uh, because 50 of Facebook. Plus years later. Only because of Facebook. Okay. We found each other again, and he goes, Tom, and he followed my career, and he goes, You've yeah. done so well, it's okay. I go, Larry, you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of cool, and he's yeah. done really well. He's like a respected college prof, you know, he's a yeah. classical music choral director, but really highbrow. And I kind of went the, you know, it was Bob Dylan and all that stuff that called to me, but he gets that, so mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. that diverse. Yeah our paths you know so what what was the next step in music how did you get because you've had a career and so like what what were the beginning steps to you starting on the path that you in high school by the time i got to high school i could play Mm -hmm. and so um and was writing a bit and uh i had a band and the um the other guitar player in the band it wasn't a very good band, Jake. It was, but it was, <laughs> but it was. I feel like the first one never is. Yeah, I mean, you know, but I, uh, it was. In, we rehearsed in his garage. Very classic American story. Yeah. This is, by the way, in Tacoma, Washington. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, where it rains constantly. Yeah. Uh, but that was conducive to music because we weren't tempted to go out to the <laughs> beach because, uh, the in fact, I've always contended that contended. I've always said that. Seattle's the the vibrant, really kind of semi-important music scene that's come mm-hmm. out of Seattle is partly because of the weather. It's very arts. The city of Seattle embraces the arts. There's a huge ballet. There's a huge repertory theater. There's a huge music scene. And I just think California has that too, of course. But there's yeah. so much here besides that. And in Seattle, yeah. I think there's really good writers. And it's also, because um, I moved to Seattle after high school, but it's also a... Uh, very literate city. Seattle's often uh, on the top two or three of most educated hmm. populations, meaning judging college, just yeah. the average Se- uh, Seattle citizen, how much college they've had. Yeah. Seattle's pretty smart, for lack of a better word. One of my Frisbee teammates from a few years ago was living in Irvine, mm-hmm. but he's a writer, he's a poet and stuff, and he was like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> there's no yeah. there's no stimulus here in Irvine. I gotta yeah. go. And he moved to Seattle because yeah. he knew that would be more that's definitely a thing yeah and i went there too for that very very reason right. but anyway oh, uh, back to my how, the next step yeah the guy the guitar player the other guitar player his name was cordell colvert 
Yes. I've never forgotten that name because it's such a bizarre it's name. It's a great name. And he should be, have been an author, but he was a bad guitar player is what he was. Uh, <laughs> or not a bad guitar, a very, uh, you know, what's the word? There's a Mid- middling. Yeah, like he could play, you know, yeah. but um, his dad owned a Roto-Rooter service, yeah. a sewer service called Santa Safe Sewer Service, and he came to one of our rehearsals. This is good, Jake. Don't miss this. Uh, I'm trying to find something because I have family in Washington, so I was going to ask if you've oh, been there. So Jake, I was trying to figure out where. No, I was just – Jake was falling asleep. So no, no, no. I was listening. No, I know. I know. I know. I'm kidding. It's so so uh, uh, he comes into one of our rehearsals, and he goes, hey, can any of you guys write uh, a jingle? I need a jingle for my mm-hmm. my company. And Cordell goes, Tom, can you write a jingle? So I went home and I wrote this. And it was like, it was literally like, throw your sewer cares away, the neat and easy way. Call Santa safe today and we'll be on our way. Say your septic tank's okay. How long is it going to stay that way? And then it, it had the phone number. Call JU44444. Back then what they had, Juniper 4 was the... They had like names, phone numbers had names. You okay. Know, like Crenshaw six five five. You know. And That's weird. Yeah. It, up until Jake, probably up until I was in my twenties, mm-hmm. they were they had letters. It was J U, but it was five eight. You know. J U is five eight. So anyway. Well, I mean, yeah, because you can. But. Yeah. Yeah, but why do that? It's silly. I think there was a reason, some <coughs> sort of. Well, I mean, now it happens all the time when it's like. Because you can create a message, so it's easier for people to remember a word or two than it is to remember That's seven numbers. That's probably why they did it. Yeah. So, but anyway, and it, and it it denoted your area. Uh, well, like Juniper was my neighborhood. Okay. Right. So anyway, uh, he he liked this stupid jingle that I wrote. Right. Were those the actual words? Like yeah. you remember them? Yeah, I remember it because day. of what I'm about to tell you. Okay. So. Um, the only reason I remember it is because of what I'm about to tell you. So he goes, that's great. Uh, can you come down and record that for me? So he takes me down to a Tacoma, Washington recording studio, which, Jake, if you could have seen, it's like with the giant antenna. Yeah. You know, it's like right out of like, <laughs> oh, brother, where art thou? You know, it's like, like, you know, giant knobs and everything. And I'm in there with my harmony sovereign guitar, you know, $80 guitar, which back then. So, um, and I play this song and mm-hmm. I, we, t- we do it about five times and he goes, okay, that's great. We got it. And it ended up being, he, he, he put it into a commercial mm-hmm. with his trucks Yeah. and, oh, I wish I could find that, you know, it, it's somewhere. I wish I could find it. But here, um, I was in the corner of the commercial of the TV screen singing this ridiculous jingle. <laughs> and then they had the trucks, they showed the Santa Safe Sewer Service trucks and they had, uh, writing describing what they offer, right? So, I, so I made so much money from that. Mm. Like as a as a 16 year old kid, and my parents are like, I mean, I paid for part of my college. Yeah. It was all my spending money. And so when I went to college, I went to Central Washington State University, which is like a like a Long Beach State mm-hmm. version up in, in in Washington. People would pass me in the halls and go, "You're that guy. I hate you." <laughs> I hate you because he sponsored. Oh, I didn't. He sponsored the late night movies. Uh, It was like a local station. Yeah. Here it would be KCAL. Yeah. 
It was that, you Got know. It. it wasn't national, you yeah. know. But still, it was on every night, you guys. <laughs> Five nights a week. <laughs> Throw your cares away. <laughs> and it was like, it became like this lame, That's lame thing I had to wear. Yeah. You know. Anyway. <laughs> but you were making so much money I was making it. dough. <laughs> and I, it got to where I would say that, hey, I get like $300 every time that thing's played. Wow. What are you making? They go, really? You know, I was like, you know, I don't know how much it was, but it was yeah. substantial. Yeah. Definitely. For a kid in, in his teens. You for know? sure. So, so that was my entrance into the music business. And I thought, even though it was a jingle, I thought. That's pretty cool, right. you know. So, the the start of the creative process mm-hmm. to understand that you have a way to put words together and yeah. have other people like it. Yeah, and 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 I knew absolutely that it was lame, but <laughs> it was just it was kind of supposed to be lame. Yeah. Closet world, you know, one eight hundred closet world's lame. It's just as lame, <laughs> but the, some ad firm wrote that. Yeah, but I didn't. See myself it's, as it's no one eight hundred cars for kids. Yeah, it's no one eight hundred, which is the best one. What I love about one eight hundred cars for kids is here's the reggae version, here's the country version, <laughs> here's the pop version, and it's still that same. That's it's great. funny. Yeah. That's anyway, great. so that's how I got. Um, I went to college. Oh, all through high school, I played at a coffee house in downtown Tacoma with other kind of folkies, and I learned how to stand on stage and make people feel Mm. something because at first they don't and you think what am i not doing you know because the thing about music you know you and you you guys both know this everyone knows this there's a good singer in every church in america yeah there's even a great singer in most churches Mm -hmm. in america but you hear them and you kind of go yeah great singer so maybe yeah i mean maybe not the one but it's like, do they make you feel this mm. song somehow? Mm-hmm. That's what steps you to the... And I knew that. I, I found that out early. And I thought, I'm not a great singer, but I can make people feel what it is I'm... So what was that process? Like, how did you... <clears throat> did you... You felt that when you were on stage initially? Like, I know I, I'm doing this, but you can see that yeah, the audience is like... They've checked I, out because I'm not, like, an amazing singer. I can't wow them. Um so what like were there specific things along the way that you like learned and had to put like were you told what or saw what I think it was I think it was intuitive except I took it so seriously Jake I like I spent a year and people don't believe this this is true I spent a year listening only to Bob Dylan hmm. I spent a year wow. listening only to Hank Williams hmm. I spent a year listening only to Jackson Brown early and and the the way i looked at it by only them meaning every time i'm in my car yeah like that's what was in my car i don't mean that that's all i heard for a year i heard other music but when i was alone Mm -hmm. with my developing sense of art yeah i thought these are these are american masters i should and joni mitchell Mm -hmm. the jackson brown year i think was jackson brown and joni mitchell people that could put words together that made people feel something and that weren't just famous for their singing yeah. Meaning, like Jackson Brown, nobody's going. Jackson Brown's an incredible singer. He's an incredible artist, mm-hmm. you know. And there's young artists today like that too. Yeah. Of course, I'm just I'm old, so. Um, and I took it seriously, so my songs got better. Mm-hmm. My songs just got better, and so then <clears throat> there was one moment. You guys, is it okay for me to tell you about this? 
<laughs> it's okay if you're I mean, saying whatever much, you I'm want to say. Talking too much? No, no you're perfect. Is, there's one they moment. You have to hear us talk all the time. This is about oh, you talking. Okay, there was one moment. This is this was a what do they call it? A watershed moment? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know what that phrase means. Yeah, I, no, I think yeah. it means like a, I've always wondered. It's like a turning point. Or well, I understand what the why it said, but I don't understand where it came yeah, from. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. But yes. Is there a shed with water? I don't know. Yeah. I hope it, not. It, yeah, I hope not. <laughs> and if it was, why is it important? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> anyway, um, I was standing on stage. I finally got a night of, for my own at this coffee house called Court C Coffee House in Tacoma. Okay. Kind of a famous place in that city. Okay. Tacoma, I don't know, if, Jake, it's do you know where Tacoma It's like south of Seattle, 30 minutes it's Seattle's little sister. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. It's I a seaport. It's a up, seaport city. I have family up in Seattle, yeah. so that's why I was asking yeah. my mom, like, where do they live? So I was going to ask if you knew where that was. Yeah. I'm sure I do because yeah. I lived in Seattle forever. So um, Court Sea Coffee House was the, the, the art center for songwriters mm-hmm. in that town. And so I hung out with all those people. And one day I, uh, I, w- I would do open mic nights. If open mic nights were by invitation. You couldn't just hmm. walk up there. So it wasn't truly an open mic night. Okay. The guy that ran it's name was Chris Lund, who still comes. He's actually flown to see me play even like years ago wow. in, in L.A. Because he was a big part of my journey. Mm-hmm. One, he said, Tom, I think you're ready. Why don't you do a night on your own? And the thing about this, Jake, like the nights on your own at this coffee house were there was a built-in crowd. They came no matter who it was. Yeah. It was just a place, and you drank coffee. And it is kind of funny, the whole thing about drinking coffee and listening to music. Is, is there a worse thing? to get? Like, let's get all wired up and try to listen to some sensitive folk music. It seems like you should be listening to, to heavy metal or something. But I've always thought that was ironic. Like, they should have. I agree. I mean, I don't drink coffee, so I don't know what that's like. But well, but there's a buzz to no, it. Yeah. 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 But I think maybe the shows went late, and it was a way to keep people awake. That makes sense. But anyway, um, so I said, sure, yeah, you know, because I was young and hungry, you know, and I must have been a senior in high school, I think, I mean, at this point. Young, 18, That's maybe. still, yeah, that's still yeah. very young. Considering. And um, he said it's it's about an hour and a half. You had to fill an hour and a half? You have to fill an hour and a half. And you can do your own stuff, and if you don't have enough, do covers and stuff. And this this is such a huge moment for me, um, what I'm about to tell you. This, uh, um, So... A crowd is there, and mm-hmm. I know a lot of them because, you know, you hang out with these people. Mm-hmm. And they're encouraging. They yeah. want me to do well. I'd say a third of them were friends, and two-thirds were strangers. Were people good at critiquing well? Like, Some. Quick sidebar. Like, was everyone just like, yeah, you're great, Tom, Some, like, no matter what? Or probably. did you have people who tell you the truth and be like, nah? No, my close friends were all songwriters, and we were real honest okay. with each other. And actually, the ones that I'm talking about all went on to have musical careers of sorts i kind of got the furthest of any of them in that i got signed to warner brothers and i got i had a actual yeah career but they all did music for a got long it. long time some of them still um so uh i get up there i get up there and i'm playing my first few songs and i'm talking and it's going yeah. well it's going well and you know, I, like i'm not incredible by any stretch but i'm it's 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 wor- it's it's journeyman songwriting like it's it's not bad i'm mm-hmm. i'm hitting 2 220 <laughs> maybe 250 you know i'm not hitting th- over 300 got it though. there's no, you know i have a couple of songs that i think are really good and i'm saving those you know and i'm doing the ones that and keep in mind you guys that i 
I thought they were really good. This is my. <laughs> yeah. They seem to affect people more than the others. You know? So uh, I get through my whole set and I look up at the clock and there's a half hour left. <laughs> I'd been up there for an hour and I was so proud of myself for getting through that. Yeah. And I thought, what do I do? You know, and they're with me now because I just played my two best songs. <laughs> they're with me oh, now. Oh boy! And I'm going, I'm going. What do I do? And I had, for some reason, this could be God. Even I just made up a song, and then I made up another song. And just on, made, the, on spot? the spot, on the spot, and some of them. I That's made impressive. It, it was it was impressive to me too. I was just yeah. like, I can do this, you know. Like I did the first one, I kind of thought of a topic and just because I'm pretty good at writing and rhyming, and it was okay. And then the, by the third one, it was like better than all my other songs, kind of. And so we get to the end, and that last half hour was the best half hour, and the people loved it. And I and it was like genuine, like dude, that was really good. And so I went. I didn't tell anyone. I was like, "Did you tell them that?" Like I didn't that tell was them all that because I, I thought, well, at the very worst, they're going to feel stupid for liking these. <laughs> <laughs> these are throwaways, dude. And so from that day on, and I think Jacob Bomber knows this about me. From that day on, I write a song every single day. Hmm. I don't ever not write a song, with the exception of the occasional day when I just can't. Yeah. Hmm. But it's a, it's a work ethic that has served me my whole life, mm-hmm. and. The reason I do it is because you – I read an interview with Tom Petty once who said, anybody that explains the songwriting process is full of full of it. It's mysterious. <laughs> None of us know how we do it. This whole, I read books That's about going these, to be my next I read all these. I read all these books about people going, oh, the way I do it is – and Petty goes, my greatest song just sort of came to me. Yeah. And the reason I do it every day is that I'm afraid it will stop. I've lived my whole mm. life afraid that I would lose that gift, yeah. and I never have. Like, I could write a song right now. Yeah. Like, it's just like, and that's not, oh, I'm so, it's the only thing I'm good at, Jake. Like, I'm bad at everything else. That, that's probably not totally. <laughs> I, I disagree. Uh, I'm a good driver, you know. But, but, but like, it was, you know, we all have gifts. Mm-hmm. And I discovered then, I knew that not everyone could do that. I knew that all my friends were writing songs, but I, they can't do that. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, I'm. And it also really made me feel good about I'm supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, the choice like for I, it to, I for never, it to come that natural yeah, and be that good. Yeah. yeah. It'd be like if you were a high school pitcher and you could throw 95 miles an hour. Yeah. Wow. And everyone <laughs> else is throwing 75. You kind of go, I should do this. Yeah. It's very similar to that. No. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like there's there's a measure of God has blessed us with skills and talents mm-hmm. and gifts and yep. like to an extent, but there's also the work ethic that's involved. You right. could have easily had that skill and not been writing yeah. every day and let that skill not reach what it's it absolutely became. true. And I, and I, I give myself credit for that Jacob all the time, but part of it was, um, a defense mechanism through like, this is the, this is the part that kind of makes me cry. It's like the lowest, times in my life mm-hmm. I still had that yeah I still had that you know like it, when when my records weren't selling when my wife left me mm-hmm. when my when I was living in my car when the lowest parts of my life I still could write a great song yeah. I could still do and it, I'm not kidding you sometimes that was all I had but that's a big thing to have 
And that's not nothing. You know no. what I mean? I always felt like I have God yeah. and I have this. And and honestly, like when I was living in motels after my rec- second record kind of stiffed and I lost my family. It's another big, long story. Um, I was selling songs to publishers. I, I, had a, I had a publisher at the time, Criterion, Bo Goldson, wonderful. Pu- they do Lyle Lovett and Rodney okay. Crowell and people like that. I would go in there and go, uh, can, you want to buy some songs? Because he published my first two records, right? And, and he go, sure. What? And I'd go write 10 songs and get like $2,000 and live. Pay my motel. Wow. Like even in my darkest hour, I yeah. I could do that, you know. those Fortunately, because of Spotify, unfortunately, because of music streaming, those days are over. You can't do that now. They would never give you $2,000 for 10 songs because yeah. there's no intellectual ownership anymore. There is, but it's not like it used to be. So I left out huge parts of how that happened. I didn't lose my family. I lost my kids and I are really close and were close even then. But they were little. They were three and four years old. Mm -hmm. The classic, you know, going out on tour and coming home with a strange car in your driveway. I lived through that. Hmm. Wow, an awkward silence (laughs) falls. we have a few of those because it's me. Because as you're talking, I formulate other questions, and then it's like, how, which direction am I going to go yeah. next? Um, I'm, I apologize, but no, no, it's great. Um, in so in those times when you're like feeling that, um, I don't know if this is a question so much as a reaction, but like I feel like that is also super valuable. That particular skill to write because you're writing about you. You're writing what you're feeling. You're mm-hmm. writing what you're going through. You're writing your experience. You're not just fabricating some other thing. Maybe right. there's a few songs here and there where you just have to create and mm-hmm. you know whatever. Sure. But for the most part, you're writing songs, and you can write a song a day because hmm. you were living a life every day. You're yeah. feeling emotion every yeah. day. You're experiencing people every no, day. No, it's a fertile time. It's a fertile time. And so, I mean, I feel it's like that. Therapeutic in a way. Yeah. 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 And so that helps. I have to assume, and I mean, I think maybe this is why there's a lot of tragic musician stories because you're so in touch with who you are. You're so in touch with your emotions. Like yeah. you don't really, you you can't block it out because blocking it out means you can't write. Blocking out means you're you're done. It requires this giant surrender. Yeah. There's a surrender aspect to it. Like, okay, I'm a songwriter. Yeah. That because, you know, I I I like I find it interesting that people will go. Oh, he's such a great songwriter, and he hasn't written a song in ten years. Yeah. And you go, no, he was a great songwriter. Like, if you're a songwriter, you should be writing, yeah. not every second or even every day, but it should be. But that's just me being cynical, I think. You know. But like Bob Dylan, people criticize Bob Dylan. His music's not as good. He's a songwriter. That's who he is. Like, why is he still touring when he can barely sing? Because that's who he is. My mom just saw him like a year ago. Yeah, he's actually. The latest tour, he's getting good reviews again. I guess mm-hmm. he kind of pulled it back together. But I have a really good friend, Freddie Coelho, that played on a bunch of my stuff that toured with him for two years of in the in the past mm-hmm. 20 years. And Bob Dylan never said a word to him for two years, not a single word. Wow. Never said anything to the band. He had one band leader that kind of pa- passed mm-hmm. on, traveled on a separate bus, did all that, you know. And that's all fine, but my point with Bob Dylan is, and I, def- and I defend him all the time because this dude is is surrendered to his craft. 
Like you could never criticize him for being lazy. You know, he puts up what he puts a record out every year. Almost. No, I, I'm full disclosure. I'm not a Bob Dylan fan. No, that's fine. And no, so I have and zero. I'm not even asked. I'm just yeah. In this respect, you could be. No, yeah, yeah. I, a yeah. fan of that. I'm just in not a fan to of his your music, question. Right. I I right. don't keep up with Bob Dylan. So right, I have right, no right. Idea what he's doing. Yeah, um, and I, and I barely do Jacob, but I'm yeah. he's a perfect example of someone. Not that I'm trying to be, but someone that never stopped. Like mm. he's. Bob Dylan's loaded, guys. He's not trying to write music to make money. Yeah. He's doing it because it's in him. Yeah. You know, I, I, I respect that. I have a lot of respect for that. I mean, that's why that's musicians and athletes are very similar mm-hmm. in that respect. People say, why yeah. do you hang on so long? Just retire yeah. and go do your thing. It's who but they are. From, it's who they are. From the time they were small yeah. children, their entire life yeah. has been about this one yeah. thing. Yeah. And for that to end, then and, what? And they get not just self-identity. They get joy. Yeah. They get purpose out of it. By the way, Jake, have you ever heard this? I've told Jacob Bomber this. It's weird that the two of you have the same name. Well, he's he is legally Jake. Right. It's so it's not, not Jacob. Short, yeah. Right? yeah, no, I'm not Jacob. I'm just Right. Jake. But as we speak, I call I Correct. Call, yeah, yeah, you've said Jake and Jake yeah. back and forth. Um, well, podcasters are just going to have to deal. But, there, but let me say this. You might not have heard this, Jake. Probably not. Uh, all I heard a... That, this is not from me. I heard this is a quote. I can't remember where I got it, but it's, mm-hmm. it smacks true a little bit. It's like uh, some musicians want to be athletes. Hmm. All athletes want to be musicians. Of course, that's not true, but it's kind of true. It, like there's so many athletes that have this musical. Yep. Like it's because it's, it's the same thing. It's not the same thing at all, but it kind of well, is. It, in a way, it, it all relates to the same, like, work ethnic in a yeah. way. It's because yeah. you put 10,000 hours into something, you exactly. continuously grind, and you're like, this is my craft, where exactly. one hand it could be music, and the other hand it could be sports, and they they go hand in hand because it's, like, the yeah. same amount of time you have to put into yeah. one to be good. At the like to be good. So then, true. It's what you were saying. They don't want to give it up because the 10,000 hours, it's like, let's make it 20,000. Like, yeah. Michael Jordan, you know, you could argue that it was a little bit embarrassing at the end. Willie Mays, a little bit embarrassing at the end. But it was like who they were, yeah. are, you know. Willie Mays, I think, the difference between Michael Jordan and Willie Mays, though, is I think Willie Mays needed the money. Yeah. Like he, yeah, was, he, he was, was not doing well. Yeah. Michael Jordan didn't need the money. No. He wanted to still play. Yeah. Because he's like the GOAT, I guess, the greatest of all time. I, yeah. He's yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess. We, Jake and I. Jacob, by the way, you don't know this. I don't know if Jacob Palmer has told you this, but I have this profound respect for Jacob's opinions about sports. And we've been friends for 10 years or Roughly, so, yeah. something like that. And, like, he's my go-to mm. because – two reasons. Because you're smart about that. You're informed. You're informed. But also you'll listen. You'll embrace mm. the other – like, even if it's something you disagree with, mm-hmm. you'll go, yeah, Tom, but – I hear that, but what about this? I love that. Hmm. I, what I don't like is the, oh, you're full of it. It's, <laughs> it's this, you know, like yeah. a lot of people in sports, they mm-hmm. get so passionate that they can't think. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, or yeah. uh, the other thing I like about your, your thoughts, uh, Jacob, is you'll often like a team for a cool reason. <laughs> Meaning it's not just your hometown. It's not just yeah. you like the quarterback. It's like, the reason you liked the Nationals, like the reason you like, like I like that. You'll, yeah. you'll have a thoughtful reason. Like 
like this kid is 18 years old and he's like a man amongst boys and it's and the team's like I like the Nationals for the same reason you did mm-hmm. kind of you know like I like that they came out of nowhere in a way I liked a lot and turns out that gee they weren't cheating <laughs> which is just like oh, we could talk about that for an hour because I'm a Dodger fan oh yeah I'm a huge Dodger fan but I came by it honestly I came to L.A. and I was a huge Ron Say fan. Ron Say was from Tacoma, the Penguin. Oh, okay. And I had to He be. doesn't know who Ron Say is. He was a Dodger third baseman. And I do. Yeah. Semi-Hall of Famer. Yeah. Don't ask me to stop, yeah. but I well, he's, he 100% was from, feel like I yeah, know Yeah, no, I think Jake. He was from that infield that was together for nine years. Bill Russell, Davey Lopes, Ron Say, you know. But uh, I liked because Seattle didn't really have the Mariners when I was growing up. They still don't. Right, yeah. <laughs> And so Ron Rude. Say, yeah, it's true, actually. So Ron Say, and so when I came to L.A., he was gone by then, mm-hmm. but I was a hardcore Dodger fan because of that. So mm-hmm. it's not like I'm a front runner or anything. Yeah. I've been a Dodger fan since 72 or something, you know, yeah. since I was in my early 20s. And it's kind of like you liked the Ducks when you were young, mm-hmm. and, like, you still have, like, yeah. I'm the same way. Like, and it's, but, but. Jake, as you shake your head under your angel's hat. <laughs> I hate the Ducks. Unlike, no, oh, oh the Ducks. He's a Kings fan. Yeah. 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 My son is a Kings fan, but the Kings are horrible this year. So we're are worse. But so yeah, are the Ducks. We are worse, became so. worse. Yeah, what happened? I looked it up with Cody what yesterday. Happened? Our division has three of the six worst teams in the entire How league. How does that happen? Us, the Kings, and the Sharks are so be, bad. But Jacob, they used to Those both, are also like. The, the Ducks just won the Stanley Cup. No, we didn't. I mean, the Kings. Yeah, yes, what's crazy is that the yeah. three teams that are, he just mentioned are literally were some of the best teams like four years ago. Yeah, like. yeah it wasn't that long ago is what I'm saying. Can I just point out one really ridiculous stat that I read You're, yesterday going as to I was looking this yes up? Or no. So point, goal differential, right? The goals you score yeah, minus yeah. the goals you give up. I know up. what a goal so differential is. I, we have listeners. <laughs> oh, right. That's them. true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, so, what's behind that door? Don't, don't tell me now. Tell me later. <laughs> Phil's office. If you went far enough. Yes. So anyway, go ahead. Um, the <laughs> it's a bathroom. Yes, folks. it is. Um, the goal differential. Yes, the the Ducks and Kings and Sharks are all pretty low in that. The Ducks, as of yesterday, we're through. There's an 82 game season. We're through about 42 games. So a little like we're at halfway. The Ducks are at like minus 34. I think we're the third worst. The second worst of the, is the Devils, minus 39. So that's being outscored by one goal a yeah, game. Yeah, that's like not. that's. Or a little bit less than one goal a game. That's, I mean, it's bad, but, you know, things could be worse. So the Ducks are the second worst, or the Devils are the second worst at minus 39. The Red Wings are at minus 81. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So they're barely minus playing. Minus 34, minus 39, minus 81. 81. Yeah, that's like they're barely playing. That's and like the them Red scoring Wings, like three. And they the Red Wings for 25 yeah. years were the... right. The a storied, epitome of a storied, greatness. Yeah, a storied from, franchise, right. From 1991 yeah. to 2000. Yeah. And arguably one of the great uniforms. And and they're the worst team. Yeah, that's and we are barely. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. That is an amazing stat. I hate. I yeah. was so mad when I looked at I just now am hit right between the eyes that both of you are wearing Angels gear. Yeah. Although yeah. California Angels is cool. Yeah, that's why that, I this. That's, that's my cool. favorite. That's my favorite logo we've I know. ever had. And you but know what's kind of cool is 
what kind of weird is mm. all Angel fans feel that way. They should just call him the California Angel. I, the rest of everywhere would hate him. I us. want that not, so bad. But not really, because back when back just, when the, we the, were the, the California. Yes, when the the Giants and the Dodgers and the A's were existing when they were the California Angels. Was there vitriol about that? I, I, I wasn't alive. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think there was. <laughs> Like it's the California Angels. I, yeah, I love that. Like that's uh, me my too. favorite logo. And me the, too. And then I like the lowercase a with the halo yeah. above it. I like that one. And too. it's gotten really silly since then. Like mm-hmm. the, the the Anaheim team of nine from Southern <laughs> California Angels. You're aware that okay. So for those that don't know, the Angels' official name for a while was the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Right, which everyone then, hated. <laughs> everyone. Yeah. I think there was one guy that didn't hate that, the and owner. it was the owner. <laughs> Um, oh, so, and me. Yeah. so they changed they changed it recently, so it is now just Los Angeles Angels, which, which is, is slightly more ridiculous. Yeah, which is wrong. <laughs> that's, that's like well, that's just wrong. That, that but that would be like the Texas Rangers calling themselves the Dallas Rangers. Well, it's like the same thing. The San Francisco yeah. You know what I mean, Jake? They're not. The but 49ers they were in San Francisco. Yeah. So just now, so two years ago, they should have changed. Yeah, that, that's Santa a little Clara different. 49ers. That, but but the Texas Rangers don't call themselves the Dallas. I Rangers. think we should just be the Anaheim Angels. I think. Yeah, that, me too. And then our me abbreviation too. would me just too. be ANA. Me too. Like and there's nothing the wrong with the Anaheim no, Angels. It's an alliteration. Anyway, it sounds great. I'm with I don't so, mind I'm with LAA though. I, I do. It's just wrong though. So anyway. So whatever. when we were officially the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, everyone made fun of us for having such a stupid name. So. Long Beach, we've had multiple minor league teams over the years. Yeah. And so recently, I think the most recent one was the Armada. And minor league teams are famous for doing the randomest promotions. Yeah, kind of fun. It's kind of yeah, cool. Cause, yeah, it's, it's very, very Americana, so don't the, you think? Like the money very, and yeah. all that. So the Armada had a – I think they did a night, and they <laughs> officially changed their name for one night. To the Long Beach Armada of L.A. County of California, of oh, the United funny. States of of of, of, yeah, of, of 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 the universe, the world, the continent of yeah. the earth yeah. of the yeah. planet. Like that's they funny. made it all the way. Uh, like dying. The absurd, that's like an SNL. I feel attacked. Yeah. That's like an <laughs> SNL <laughs> skit. Yeah. So that was. Yeah. They're not around anymore, though. It should just be the Anaheim Angels now. But I did really like California Angels. Yeah. Uh, but I'm with you on the AA thing. Alcoholics Anonymous and I'm Angels. <laughs> no, you don't do AA. That's I what know, I said. A N A. That's I know. I got you. I'm with you. Oh. I'm not an A-N-A. Angels hater. Got it. A-N-A. I am. That's I am what the Ducks. The Ducks abbreviation is A N A. I want us to not TV. be anywhere near the abbreviation. I am of the one of those Dodger fans that is not an Angel hater. I think Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. A stand-up guy. Yeah, he has no personality. He doesn't have to have personality. <laughs> he plays the game out there. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, Mike Trout's boring, but, and so he's not a big star. That's okay. I like the fact that he's boring. It's, it's who he is. He's, he's, Tim he's, Duncan. Yeah, yes. We could name a bunch of guys like that. Yeah. You know, he's just... Pau Gasol. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pau, yeah, Pau Gasol is a slightly more interesting than just because he was from Spain. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. He's from mm-hmm. Spain, but... but but I don't hate, you know, I pull for the Dodgers when they play the Angels. I, I was a little jealous that you got Rendon, you know, because Justin Turner's 36. Gonna I be didn't 36. realize he was that old. Yeah, oh, I knew wow. he was in his 30s. But yeah, he's going to be 36 yeah. this season. I didn't know that either. Yeah, so Rendon would be would have been, but I don't, I'm not an Angel hater. I'm not. No. I, I just thought it was silly that they were, Artie was trying to glom on to 
the L.A. Dodger fan base, which is not going to – they don't, <laughs> they don't care. Works. I would be driving through L.A., Jake, and see the, he, he did the big billboards in L.A. too, yeah. the L.A. Angels, uh, you know, the Los Angeles Angels. And I would go, yeah, that's just you – know. <laughs> you're trying too hard. It's like an old guy wearing hipster clothes. It's like <laughs> – it's just to me, Los Angeles is a more marketable name than that's Anaheim. Why he that's did why it. he did. And it. the only like because when you think Anaheim, the only thing you think of is Disneyland. Yeah, and sometimes true. people don't even know where that is. Well, like, and they, that's true. And well, they that had, is why. And he right. bought them from Disney right. and right. wanted to distance himself from Disney. I get that. Oh well, no, the Ducks owned. No, the Ducks were owned by Disney. Yeah, we were owned by Disney. Yeah, we were. Really. When we had that the weird wings logo, yeah, the, yeah. Were we were owned, owned by Disney. Well, speaking of mean? which, remember the remember the periwinkle angel uniform with the wings? The word, it looked like a Disney team. That's that's the logo for no good reason because I was young and stupid. Oh, that you liked it? No, that I well, I'm, yes, that I liked it enough to put it on my wall in my bedroom. Well, because it was your team, I get that. Yeah, though. but <laughs> in hindsight, because yeah. I had the Ducks logo and I had the Lakers logo. And I had the angels they, they actually, up on my And wall. they actually called the color periwinkle. Yeah. Actually, if you read the description, yeah. Oh, yeah. periwinkle and red. And they, I think some dark blue. Anyway, I like the red. I like the fact that they just went, let's be red. Yes. I like the red, too. I like that's what the, yeah. that's like the Cincinnati red. They're red. Yeah. Like, even when Cincinnati mixes in black, don't do that. I also I like the white. I love that classic though. reds. When they did the vests, mm. it was before your time, but that was like a classic. Now they have black around their yeah. letters. I don't want the angels to put black around their letters. Nope. Red and white. Their uniform is perfect, yep. except for I'm with you on changing the hat, like the old. I mean, I like the A. Yeah, like yeah the A is straightforward. Nice. And it, it needs to be an A, I guess. I yeah. mean, what else are you going to do? Anyway. In 1996, the team was acquired by Walt Disney Company and renamed the Anaheim Angels in 1997 under... Disney ownership, the team won its first and only World Series in 2002. The team was sold to advertisement management Artie Monroe in 2003. Yeah, okay. By the way, I went to that the, world, the Dave Henderson World Series, the tragic Dave Henderson World Series. Remember, he, he committed suicide after he blew the final game. You don't know that? I don't remember. This is wow, angel no. lore, it's man. <laughs> this is like dark angel so lore. So here's the thing about I was me at, as a fan. I was at that. I think it was playoffs because I think they were playing Boston. I think Ugh. it was playoffs. And he made an error and cost him the game. And he didn't kill himself that night. But after the season, he mm-hmm. killed himself. You should look it Jeez. up. Because there's a whole thing about I know it. more really sport history than I do yeah. team history. Yeah. So like it's I, an interesting thing, though, because yeah. I was at one of those playoff games. I was at one of the ones that the Angels won. Hmm. Um, you should have went to more then. Yeah, I don't. I think they might have lost it on the road. I can't remember, but he took personal responsibility for losing, hmm. I, and it was a real glimpse at the the how passionate athletes are. You know, and it's sad. Like it's it really shouldn't. Sad. No, dude, you're <laughs> you like you're, play a game. you're like, at, I, the, at the most elite yeah. level. Like I want you to win. But if you lose, like you're still the starting center fielder talent. for the for the angels. You're talented in doing yes. things that I cannot Can, do. That so most I'm, people can't do, yeah. right? I know. But and who knows what other demons? I don't know. But you should look that up sometimes. Dave yeah, Henderson, he killed himself. Yeah. Um, this I want the podcast to go dark every now and then. So <laughs> I pulled it. You know. Sense. Now now we can, now we can talk about. 
you know, mm-hmm. Kurt Cobain. Or, oh, yes. I was actually – that when you were talking about the Seattle music scene, instantly my head went to, oh, yeah, Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain. <laughs> grunge music. Yeah, like, it's, <laughs> not a, it's not a mistake. Well, and Pearl Jam and all that stuff. And before that, Hart was from Seattle. There's a lot no, of – Jimi Hendrix was from Seattle. Was from Seattle. I knew that. I didn't at, I don't at, know who At his old high school – he went to Garfield High School. There's a statue of Hendrix in the front of the high school. That makes sense. The thing about that, though, it's a little bit dishonest in that he went to England and he made it over in England, came back here as kind of a British star. And then he, his, his, his rise to fame had little to do with Seattle. Yeah. But he did go to high school. Not like Kirk And Cobain. learned to play guitar. You're going to claim that. He yeah. went to our high school. Yeah, yeah. That's... I mean, one of the most important rock guitarists in history. You're not going to go. You're not going to be ambivalent. Yeah, no. <laughs> By the way, I was teaching my choir kids yesterday what the word ambivalent means. I don't know what that means. I was really shocked that they didn't know. But in high school, in (laughs) middle school... I like that you have such high expectations of young people. Well, Jake, in my... You don't know this, but in my job... Jacob knows this, but in my job, I I do many things at Lakewood Christian, Mm -hmm. but they're all musical. But I have middle school choir, right? Mm -hmm. And I teach it in a real Tom Kell sort of way, and it's panned out. It's worked out. But I have 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. So I have kids that are 12 and kids that are 14. I even have an occasional kid that's 11 turning 12. And many that are just 13. So that age, and Jacob deeply knows this, that age is an age of of I know everything, Mm -hmm. yet I know nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, like, because they're getting smart enough to, to really think about things and see the world around them. So we kind of had this in common. I kind of use choir as a way to teach them about the world. Mm-hmm. Like, and I am careful. Like I, I don't want to teach them about the world as just, I see it. Yeah. Like I don't want them to be Tom Kell uh, apostles, but I, but there's things that as in a Christian school, especially there's things that I want them to get, you know? Yeah. And one of them is lifting their vocabulary a little bit. Yeah. You know, what's wrong with that? You know? So I, I use the word ambivalent and, and the kids are so cute. Like, what is that? I go. It means you don't care. It means you don't. You're, 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 you're and and so uh, this is not worth telling you except for this. This <laughs> one girl who's an amazing singer. She's probably the best singer in my choir this year. She goes ambivalent, ambivalent, no ambivalent. She put an L after yeah. the B. And I go, no, ambivalent, ambivalent, no ambivalent, ambivalent. The whole class is dying, you know. <laughs> and she's got a pretty good self-image so she was fine yeah. with it but she never could say ambivalent <laughs> i go i go say amba amba she goes amba and i say livalent or no ivalent 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 and she could say that but she couldn't put them together just but like th- me in that one word that but i got one 30, word but i got 30 <laughs> kids now that know what the meaning what ambivalent that's means? Great. That's something. Yeah, that's two. You used two college words today. You said voracious earlier. And oh. I was going to point it out. But what was the thing you were referring to just now? I can't say a certain word. You can't oh, say yeah. a lot of words. <laughs> say a lot of words. <laughs> a lot of words. <laughs> that, that's a breakfast cereal, isn't it? So, what? What? What is it when you graduate from a high school? What is it called? I'm an almanater. Oh yeah, I like that. I kind of like that. That one's not as bad as the other one. Almanater. I like that. That yeah. sounds like a town in Greece or a town in um, Poland, maybe. I don't hmm. know. Or Wisconsin. He's not good with specific. I can do that one. Specific. You're right. Specific. <laughs> specific. Yeah, it requires a certain. Specific. But I mean, I think I think I never use words to be 
using words that kids don't know. It just was in conversation. Yeah, no, yeah. And like, and, and I'm not going to let them go. I'm not going to let them go. What does that mean? And not take yeah. a minute, you know. Anyway, back to my Specific. journey. I, yeah. No. I was just on that. <laughs> on that note, I was going to say I I will do that a lot. Where I will say because like I mean you're a songwriter, you've encountered a vocabulary doing yeah. certain things, whatever. And I tend to read a lot, so you do. vocabulary comes in. <coughs> Reading so, actually is key to having yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because it's about context. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I do. Like I'll when I'm teaching or just wh- whether it's in a classroom or doing a sermon or whatever, I'll I'll accidentally say a word and be like, well, I'm very confident that a lot of people don't know what I just said. <laughs> so in that moment, I will make sure that I then the next sentence is me yeah. re-saying what I just yeah. said using. Yeah. And that's that's a good thing. One of my favorite Jacob Bomber quotes I remember. Okay. The other thing about being a songwriter, I think, is that's crucial, literally crucial. I don't know a single. I know a lot of good songwriters, you guys. I don't know a single one that doesn't possess this. You have to be an observer. You have to mm-hmm. really like yeah. notice things. If you just, you know, some people just kind of go through life and they don't really see things. Mm-hmm. Songwriters, because you're always looking for. Yeah. Some, some, if if not a phrase, something that happened. Like I dro- driving here just now. Um, you're gonna think I'm making this up. No, I would driving never. here. I passed a car passed me. The, the, the personalized license plate was crochet, C R O S H A Y, and that made me laugh out loud that someone would go, I crochet. You know, like it's, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it just doesn't seem like something you'd be that proud of. Not that there's anything wrong with crochet. And they didn't even spell it right. Exactly. Well, right. Exactly. So a block later, oh boy. Jake, a block later, a car pulls by me. That's it's I K N I T. I knit. <laughs> and I'm just going, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm surrounded by <laughs> knitters and crocheters. They have to be like the same family. Like, yeah. Well, I thought, I thought they, they have to be because that's just, but anyway, what I was going to say about you is one of the greatest things. And I, I, and I actually remind myself of this. You told me this, Jacob and I were actually fairly close at, at, at LA at uh, our, uh, Lakewood Christian in that we would talk to each other about stuff. And one of them was, you said, these kids think I care about history. I care about them. Hmm. When you were teaching yeah. history. Okay. And and that's the way I feel about choir even. They think I care about music, which of course I care about music. Yeah. But I mostly care about them. Yeah. Hmm. And if and if I see them, we have a couple challenging kids this year. And, and you know, I don't, I don't, as a as a teacher, I don't let them just flail in front of me like if i see them flailing i at least try like hey hey so and so talk to me in my office after yeah. class and i'll go are you doing this why are you doing this is mm-hmm. it like and it it seldom fixes it but at least for that moment this kid knows i care about him yeah. and that i've noticed the flailing you know they act a certain way to be constantly funny and it's just really covering up insecurity and yeah. You know, like it doesn't take a genius to figure out what they're doing. Yeah. They're 13. You go, dude, I know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> and then they break down in my office. I have no friends. I go, well, stop that. Let them know who you actually are. Yeah. If they if they know who you actually are instead of all this shtick, you have a chance to make a friend. Mm-hmm. And they kind of go. And I I just sort of feel like for for no other reason this kid knows that I 
cared about them. Yeah. It's not just about you're singing out of tune, you know, come on. Although my choir sing in tune, Jake. We, <laughs> really? do, we do not sing out of tune. Jacob can attest to that. I, I can't because I can't. I'm not a music listener. Yeah, I don't know anything about you that. You love music, though. You're a music appreciator. Yes. But I can't tell you how many times I've been at concerts or whatever. My friend Sean played, was a cello performer. Yeah, so he hears. So, and so he, no, like, we'd go to there when he was in the symphony orchestra at Cal State Long Beach. And when he was doing, getting his master's at UCLA and doing stuff, we'd go watch. And I'd be like, oh, that was so good. He's like, no, nah, I played terrible today. I don't know yes. what that. I don't know the difference between yeah. your terrible and my yeah. great. No, I somewhere. understand that. I understand that. It's like a guy that struggled through all nine, pitcher that struggles through all nine innings, but still gets the win. Yeah. But he was struggling. He goes, I was awful, man. It's a miracle I got through that. Yeah. He went, dude, you struck out 12 guys. You know, yeah, yeah but it was like, <clears throat> I've heard uh, Clayton Kershaw do that because he's not who he used to be. And so he's, he feels like every game is a struggle. Yeah. But what I love about him, and I suspect it's what you would like about him, is he's, he'll, he'll face the struggle. Yeah. He'll own it. And he'll go, pfft. Yeah, I, my curveball was non-existent. Picture me without a curveball. I'm kind of toast. So I have to, like, move. But he doesn't, like, walk off the field to give up. Yeah, he real just goes, pitchers. I mean, that's why that's why I love Max Scherzer. Yeah. Like, you can, oh, yeah. You can tell when he is on, yeah. Yeah. and you can tell when he is yeah, not. Yeah, because when he's but on, he, he's unhittable. Yeah. But when he's off, when he he's, still wins. He's walking three guys. Yeah. He'll, like, walk the bases yeah. loaded, and yeah. then he'll strike yeah. out yeah. the next three guys. And, like, and like people that are non-baseball fans will go, why can't he just throw it in there? You can't just throw it in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you throw The guys it in trying there. to hit it actually know <laughs> yeah. how to hit the ball. They're really good hitters. If you throw it in there, it's a home run yeah. or a double off the wall. And yet Tom still thinks that every free throw should be made. Well... We have this. I just think. So every, do you think every field goal should be made? No, but I think every NBA level basketball player should shoot seventy percent at the free throw yeah, line. That's, that's all. So every NFL. That's a reasonable. That that's more 70%. reasonable. I forgot that you say that. Yeah. Katrina is literally like. I don't understand why they ever miss a free throw. Like, no, no, no. What are you I get, about? No, cause, because it's hard. even the ones that shoot ninety in a row will miss two in a row. Yeah. You know, but like. And I get even I, – I used to buy the big thing, Jake. I used to buy the, well, they're too big. But I know there's seven-foot guys in the NBA that shoot 90%. Yeah. They definitely uh, – Well, now. Yeah. I think, uh, Nowinski. Yeah. Nowinski. I think that's a, didn't he shoot eight in the 80s, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, high 80s. Yeah. I mean, the longer you are, probably the easier because, like, your hands are already there. Yeah, but some <laughs> of them are clumsy. They're, they're, yeah. They're not, not used to shooting. They're more dunkers or rebounders. Yeah. I get that. Shoot 70%. The reason I would say that – Jake, Jake is because I can shoot 70%. I'm an old white guy. <laughs> I can shoot. I'm not sure what the white has to do with it, but I'm a, but I can shoot. I can put seven out of ten. Well, not now, but ten years ago okay. at age 59. I'm 69. Ten years ago, at age, and I, I, I divulged that only because I told you I was born in 1950. Correct. <laughs> so, and by the way, there's no way to spend 69. You're old. You can't go. Well, 69 is the new four. No, it's not. 69 is 69. <laughs> 69, you're knocking on the door of 70, yeah. and you're going, but but, but I'm still productive. Yeah. And I'm still, like, you know, I limp when I walk, but that's it. Yeah. There's guys 30 that limp when they walk. That's true. You're nice. in your 20s. Are you in your 20s? Yeah, you? I'm 22. Yeah, that's what I thought. Not because of how you look, but. <laughs> I don't know. You just yeah, what does this I don't mean? know which one's more. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, by the way, uh, Jacob, how old are you, Bomber? 30, 
Okay, so here's the deal, guys. Listen to this. And if you, do, if you don't remember anything I said, remember this. This is wise old Tom who's lived twice as long <laughs> as you, right? Okay, the age that you are forever, for the most part, is 35. Mentally. Mm-hmm. Like, physically, you get old and things break down. But the person, the realized Jacob Bomber is about two years away. And the reason it's not the 20s is because you're, you're still formulating yeah. who you are and how you think and what, what you, where you stand. I mean, you have, I had strong opinions at 22. I felt like I was a realized human at 22. Mm-hmm. I was nowhere near the person I was at 35 because I went through some, I went through some dark, I went through some of those things that forge who you, yeah. what really matters. The cruel truth of this, though, and it's around mid-30s is what I'm saying. And I think everyone that, that I've said it's older than that agrees. Mm-hmm. The younger, you don't know, right? Yeah. But the cruel thing about that is, so I'm walking around, I'm 35, right? And then I get a picture of myself that someone took. Or I walk past a mirror and I go, oh, I'm not 35, <laughs> I'm 70. It's like <laughs> there ain't no way to spin like I don't think I look younger than my age. I look my age. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, I'm not kidding myself going, or, or people go, oh, you look pretty good for 69. I look like I'm in my 60s. I know that. It's okay. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know, your neck starts, you know, your skin starts loosening a little. It's kind of the cruel re- reality of life, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. Sarah Kell, my beautiful wife, who I adore, is 65. She's beautiful. I think arguably most people would think she's pretty. But the thing about Sarah is we have this long-term, wonderful love affair. So, of course, she's beautiful to me. Yeah. Like skin getting a little looser is like point is meaningless. Mm -hmm. Like literally, Mm -hmm. you know, except for maybe how she feels if she sees that in Mm -hmm. herself. But like I, I just think 35 is kind of like... The way I feel about most everything, even politically, socially, about sports, about music, I kind of was that person at 35. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, there's little differences, you know. I'm more addicted to coffee than I was at 35. <laughs> By the way, I was in the Army. Hmm. We, that's what was next in the journey. So, okay. You want me to, like, pl- bust? Let's go. What, what was... What was Army Men? So 1960, I was in the first lottery, the first draft lottery. I think it was 68, 69. Oh, wow. The fact that even still that a draft existed. No, it was unbelievably cruel. You lived or died because of the number on a ping pong ball. Wow. Like there were people, 50,000 people died because their number was on, you know, like, I mean, some of them joined, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It was, you can't have a draft. It's like. Unless the whole world is attacking us or something, then you probably wouldn't need a draft. Guys would just, yeah. people would just join up. But I was in that, and I was in, I was on that road. I, I quit college to play in a band, and my band was starting to take off. I knew that I was good at this. Which number band was this? Uh, this, well, it was <laughs> two past the high school band. Okay. Um, and it was, it was, it was kind of a, a, a trio. It was more of a. Saying calling it a band was probably not, but it was pretty cool. We were playing all the time, mm-hmm. and I knew the lottery was coming, and my deferment was no longer in existence because I dropped mm-hmm. out of college. I had a oh. college deferment, right? So I got down on my knees. I was a Christian. I got down on my knees at the end of my bed. I'll never forget this. In Seattle, by this time I'm living in Seattle, and prayed. I said, please, God, 
give me a high number. I'll, I'll be your servant forever. Is that making a deal with Jesus? Thing, yep. you, know? I, I, you know, like this is just not in my plan to be in the military. I don't even believe in the Vietnam War. All I was just yeah. praying all this stuff that I really felt, you know, like, A, I think this is wrong. B, I'm not a soldier type, you know, mm. which is interesting, Jay, because my father was a career military. Mm. My dad survived the Bataan Death March. Oh. I mean, my dad was brown boots, serious, and he had me as a son. It was a problem. It was issues our whole lives, but there's beautiful stuff about that, too, because he was a devout Christian. And when I was about 40 years old, he got down on his knees, tears in his eyes, and apologized to me mm. for never encouraging. And he goes, I can't believe, you know, until I got a song cut by Kenny Rogers that became a gold record. Yeah. That's what it took for him to, for him to go, wow, my kid is, I go, dad, I've always been this kid. Yeah. Like you can't, I was a disappointment to him. Mm. And, and the fact that he felt that way, it was so great, Jacob. He went to a, a Billy Graham crusade and was, and was like, you know, he's a real devout. My dad was like a Sunday school teacher and a mm. deacon in a Baptist church. Mm. You know, we had Bible verses under our plates at dinner. We had prayer meetings and he still was terrible to me as far as my choices. He never mm. supported them, you know, for, for what he thought were good reasons. Yeah. Gets down on his hand, on his knees with tears in his eyes and says, I was convicted through this entire message. Billy Graham's preaching, uh, uh, his messages were always, um, uh, salvation mm -hmm. my dad knew salvation but somehow god spoke to him you know and he called me up and said you got to come visit and said i please forgive me which of course i did and we were close to the day he died yeah. he died at 92 years old cool. but uh, where was i oh the army yeah so uh praying the next morning the lottery was the next day the next day i got number 61 which is like being number one i mean it's they went to 180 uh -oh. if you and there's 365 mm. days so you had a real chance of not getting drafted. They went to about 180 or 200. I think it was 180. And I, and back then, there's no internet. Yeah. So I called the local newspaper and I said, is August 29th really number 61? Yep. So I didn't go back to college. I kept playing in the band. Mm -hmm. And I got that letter. Greetings. You have been selected to come and be inspected. And before you know it, I'm crawling under machine guns and like, in basic training with my hair shaved off and screaming with bayonets and all this stuff. And when the end of, and, and so my, this is the beautiful part, you guys, my drill sergeant, his name was Sergeant Goff, G O F F, just like the quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, and he kind of looked like Elvis Presley, except he was missing his front tooth, which I always thought was weird. Like fix your tooth, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we, now we, he has to have the, he has to have the gritty uh, drill yeah, circle. Yeah, he had the hat cocked, and he cool-looking guy, but he's missing his front tooth. I, we all just thought, why would you, like, because <laughs> he clearly cared about his looks, you know, yeah. his uniform. Was, he came to me one day, and he says, Kel. No, he didn't sound like that. It was kind of a southern, Kel. I go, yeah, Sergeant. Yes, Sergeant. And he goes, I hear you're a songwriter. And I said, where'd you hear that? He goes, one of the people, one of the boys told me. And he said, if I got you a guitar here, could you write songs during basic training? And I'm like, probably. And he said, the next two days later, there's a guitar next to my locker. He got with its own locker, this guitar. Wow. And every day at the end of uh, what we did that day, the mm -hmm. gas chamber, the all the stuff we went through, 
I wrote a song about it that was kind of funny, and it helped us all get through basic training. And the very day when we all graduated, like very military, like standing yeah. attention, yeah. they had me come up on stage, uh, not a stage, one of those parade platforms, yeah. and play this song. It's called the Boot Camp Blues. <laughs> and so music, even then, even then, kind of helped me deal with, and they're they calling out uh, MOS. MOS is military occupational status, meaning your job. Yeah. And guys are getting 11 Bravo, which is infantry, and they're they're crying. People don't realize. I mean, they're they're literally in tears. They knew they were going. Yeah, we're to going to Vietnam, die. and we might die. You know. And they're, of course, they're not all crying, but some of them are like. And Denny Linnell, who's my best friend in basic, got 11 Bravo and died the first month. And I didn't find out till way later. I, yeah. I got out and called his mom. Found his mom, lived in Washington State too, and I said, "Is Denny out? Can we get together?" She goes, "You didn't hear. He's on the memorial wall. His name." Wow. You know, so um, they call. They're calling MOSs, and they get to Private Kell. You know, Kell, ninety-one P twenty. Like what? They're gonna make me a machine gunner on a tank or something? And it was uh, X-ray technician. They sent me to X-ray school. And because I guess I scored high on the test is what yeah. they explain. And they sent me to x-ray school. And six months later, I'm x-raying Vietnam returnees, which I'll never till the day I die shake that. I mean, guys yeah. with their legs missing, guys with napalm burned off arms, like terror. And 19 years old, you know, in yeah. my x-ray room. And I would go home every night and I would go and I tell kids this if they want to know. Like, this is what war is. Yeah. War is not medals. War is not parades. War is sometimes necessary. War is always bad. Yeah. Always. Mm-hmm. No, there's no good wars. There's good reasons. Not even good. Like there's necessary wars. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm not. I'm not throwing America under any sort of bus here. But there's a real argument whether Vietnam was necessary. Yeah. yeah. You know, that was kind of the first time in my life where I went, oh, my country can make a mistake. Yeah. You know, like they're not, America's not infallible. No. We're trying, <laughs> you know, but anyway, it, 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 that was like changed my life forever. Like yeah. I got out of the army and became a full on musician and never turned back. How, how many years did you have to serve? Two. Two. Yeah. And it was. I'd say a year and a half of it was X-raying. I was at Fort Bragg, which is home of the Green Berets. So a lot of the servicemen that I X-rayed were Green Berets who had served in Vietnam. And I was at the X-ray clinic there, so not all of my patients were Vietnam returnees. Some of them were like guys that broke their ankle out on the field, you know. By the way, the only thing that ever kind of made me sick. Despite all this stuff you already said. Yes, was a broken wrist. This guy came in with a broken wrist that was really, like, deformed. You know, uh-huh. he had broken it bad, playing softball on the military yeah. base, you know. He was going to second base, and we had those bases that were glued to the ground. Yeah. And um, he walks in, and he says, whoa! Because <laughs> <laughs> we, we rotated in the emergency room. We didn't always x-ray in the emergency room. And uh, I got really close with some of the radiologists, because they were drafted, too, yeah. like doctors. Wow. They were in the army like, okay, I guess I'm going to be in the military. And it was a rough time. I'm surprised that doctors weren't like on the like exempt list. Well, I, I'm actually, I should revisit that. 
I think they were recruited. Like there was a bunch of doctors. I got really close to this one radiologist named Dr. Neusbacher, this Jewish doctor from New York, really funny and brilliant guy. And he and I got pretty close. He knew I was drafted. I think he joined, but I think like there was, he felt like he could get more experience in two years in the army. Hmm. Like oh, yeah. in four years of the army. And he's Intense. a radiologist, so he's not seeing patients. He's reading x-rays, yeah. right? And you're getting all kinds. And of I'm getting like, but anyway, uh, this broken wrist, his wife, the guy was married and his wife was out in the hallway throwing up. <laughs> and so I'm like, I bring him into my office, I mean, in the x-ray room, and I'm like kind of sick from seeing her being sick. Yeah. And he was the one guy where I said, you have to excuse me for a minute. <laughs> and I went in the other room and came back out and took his x-rays. But I could have done that as a job when I got yeah, out. Yeah, I mean. It's a really good skill to have. But I wasn't certified. You have to go yeah. through a process. And I was wanting to be a musician. Yeah. I was like, I'm, not I'm glad that I didn't pursue that because it would have cheated me out of, you know. Yeah. And then, then when I got out, I formed a band called the Sky Boys, which became a huge band in Seattle. Mm. We did three albums. We were the biggest country rock band in the Seattle music scene. Everybody that lived there at that time knew of us. We packed every club. We never had to worry about work. I made a living in that band for 10 years, and I got signed out of that band, and that's yeah. what brought me to Los Angeles because I was the songwriter. I got, record labels would come up to hear us all the time and go, we love the songs. We like the main guy, but it's a bar band, you know. It was a rip it up bar band, though. Our band was really good. The two of the best guitar players in Seattle played in my band. Incredible, like ridiculous. Um, and then when I came to L.A., I had a deal at A&M, and six months into the deal, they dropped me. And I remember that day because I'm at A&M Records, you guys, like on La Brea. And the police are recording. In fact, I watched the police wow. do the Every Breath You Take video with the candelabras. Wow. I was recording there when they filmed that on that Charlie Holy Chaplin smokes. soundstage. Yeah. And I would pull up. I'm getting goosebumps telling you. I would pull up Tom Kell and they'd let me in, you know, because I'm recording there. Yeah. Six months later, and I'm living out on the Strip, on Sunset Strip in a, in a hotel that they were paying for. And I thought, man, I've made it. I have great people producing my stuff. Three songs in, they call me in and go, you know, we like you. We think you're good, but we're not going to, we're going to pass. And I go, does this mean I have to move out of the hotel? <laughs> and they go, they go, well, I would. You don't have to move out today, but the end of the week. So I'm literally, I had left a popular band that mm. really crushed them. Like yeah. when I left, it was a, it was really bad for them. And then I just basically lost everything in one conversation. Mm. And so uh, this is really cool. We could end with this if you want. But um, I walk back to – I'm despondent, of course. And I walk back to my hotel room, uh, the Sunset Plaza on Sunset Strip. It's still there. Um, and I walk up to the counter because the, the clerk says, Tom, Tom, Mr. Kell, we have a package for you. And um, I went upstairs. It was a manila envelope from my father. I went upstairs, and I, um, and this is way before Kenny Rogers and all that, because all the big success came after this. Um, and I opened it up, and it was a hymnal. It was an old Broadman hymnal. Broadman hymnals were like Baptist hymnals. They had, okay. you know, Amazing Grace and all those standards. And I, and I opened it. I just flipped it open. Hmm. There was a note on the inside thing from my father. I still have it, of course. And he, and he said. Uh, don't forget the first songs you ever sang. 
Mm-hmm. Dear Tom, don't forget the first song you ever sang, mm-hmm. Love, Dad, right? So they flip it open, and it's near to the heart of God. There is a place of quiet rest, you know, that song, you know, and I and I'd never played hymns tenderly. I grew up in a Baptist church where hymns were played like marches, you know, amazing yeah. grace, how sweet, you know, never tenderly. It was all with an organ, yeah. you know, and I, they were sort of lost on me. I hated them all, kind mm-hmm. of. I mean, I didn't hate them because I love hymns now, but I didn't realize how great these songs were. And I played it on the guitar because I knew how it went. And I had this giant, huge epiphany, you guys, that I'm going to be okay. Hmm. It's like God's here. He's with me. He didn't bring me down here for nothing. And I worked at a T-shirt shop in Westwood for about a year. The guy I was working with was Grant Show, the guy from Melrose Place. He was a young actor at the time. And we'd talk about who's going to be famous first. Of course, it was him. (laughs) His first audition was for Ryan's Hope, and he gets it. That's that's that sit that uh, uh, soap opera. Okay. He gets it. It's like all my children at the time. Okay. It was a big soap yeah. opera. He gets it, and the next job he gets is Melrose Place, right? Mm-hmm. And within a year, I got signed at Warner Brothers, and the rest is history. Right. I did. I had a seven album deal for Warner Brothers. I got a hundred and fifty thousand dollar advance. I had a, a song on a Kenny Rogers record, all in one year. Uh, that was the good news. The bad news is my first two records didn't really sell. Wonder Brothers, the only two that were guaranteed were the first two. Mm-hmm. Set, they they sign you mm-hmm. to a long deal because if one of them's big, they want to have you locked up. Right? Yeah. But if but they only guarantee two of them. Yeah. So after two those two years, those two albums, that's when I lost my wife and lost my and was living in motels. That's mm-hmm. that's when all that happened. And um, at my darkest hour. I thought, well, I could run from God or to God, and uh, this is really cool that we're sitting here because I ran to this church. Hmm. This is where, um, when I first came to Los Altos, this is where I met my wife. When I first came to Los Altos, I was broken, really broken, and um, Bill found out about my career and my history, and he said, you should sing in church, you know, and so I walked up there and played some song of mine that I'd written for the congregation. And it was the first time in my life I ever felt like this isn't about me. Mm. This music isn't about how cool I am or if I'm good looking enough or if I'm hip enough, which is all the stuff you have to think if you want to be a star. This is about God, you know, and it was so freeing. And, you know, hundreds of songs later, Cindy, I met Cindy Rinks at this church. She's Mm -hmm. the one that recommended me for the job at LCS My Life profoundly changed because of Los Altos. Hmm. It's really cool. I mean, I wrote, it led to hundreds of songs about Jesus. Like you kind of go, how many songs could you write about Jesus? I mean, I think I might've even said that. Yeah. Really? He's my Lord and say, what else can you say? You know, (laughs) there's a zillion things you could say as it turns out, you know, like one of them I played in church here. Yeah. Just, just a few weeks ago, you know, like that came from me. You know, like my next door neighbor was going here. We had a rental house in Long in Lakewood, and then we had the house in Agur where I was living with my kids. And went to the fateful night, so I moved to the rental house, and um, we eventually sold it. But like my neighbor uh, went to Los Altos, mm-hmm. and she said, "You know, I was like, I need to, I need to find a church. I knew I was, you know, like 
when things in your life are things that you just can't handle mm-hmm. on yeah. your own. Like, what do I do? Jacob, I was thinking, what do I do? Like, do I go be a UPS driver? And if I do, how do I even do that? You know what I mean? I was so yeah. lost. Yeah. Like, my mu- my life was all music. And when that and, – and I couldn't even say if I had just had a shot. I had an amazing shot. I had a shot that few people get. My, my song was on the United Airlines. My single on my first record was on the United Airlines. Playlist, you know, it was right, Dwight Yoakam and Tom K. I was right there. I got a big – I had a video on, on uh, VH1. I had – Warner Brothers put a – you know, and it failed. So what do you do then? Yeah. You know, and it turns out. You know exactly what I did. Hmm. I just became, and I remember when I got the teaching job, it was like, what do I teach them? I'm not like a music teacher. And God literally, almost audibly said, teach them what you know. Yeah. Just teach them what you know. You certainly know more than them. These kids are in the <laughs> sixth grade. I mean, I have kindergartners, you know, like, yeah. just teach them what you know. And, and that was really freeing. Mm-hmm. Like, that was so freeing. Like, okay. I know a bunch. Mm-hmm. I'll just te- if it if, doesn't have to be perfect. It no, doesn't have to be the n- most no. important information ever. You don't right. have to know everything. No, and it doesn't have to be this precise way of doing it yeah. either, as it turns out. And so I just went in there going, okay, I'm as real close to God then, which was helpful. You know, kind of like felt like He helped with the, not with my curriculum, but with my peace of mind, like. Mm-hmm. And things I saw things working too, like, oh, I want to teach them about syncopation, so I'll write a syncopated song. And I'll see how we kind of jump on that accent? That's called syncopation. I could do that. <laughs> like that kind of stuff. I could show them what a whole note is, you know. Yeah. Uh, I just did it inside my gift, you know. And I've done it for 17 years. You know? So, so it's been a, a blessing. But one of the reasons I wanted to do your podcast is this church will forever matter to me Mm. i walked into this sanctuary really broken like really sad really struggling my two children were baptized here phil baptized my kids wow yeah and my ex came to the baptism because she's a believer you know she's not perfect but she's a believer we're all close now it's like all that's healed Mm -hmm. all that She's happily married. I am mm-hmm. like all that healed up. So, you know, it's, I, you know, I've, I'm loath to like, I'm very, I'm not one of those people that goes, God made me do this. And mm. God did like, there was a, someone that came into the teacher's lounge the other day and said, Oh, we got a house. God helped us with the financing and God found the house and God made this all. And I always cringe at that like a little bit because Wow, God really favors you. Like, there's these other it's, people. It's hard to not. Yeah, there's these other yeah. people praying there to get nothing, man. There's people starving, and st- but that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with her saying that. Yeah. But I. But my first response is always, Billy, God helped you with the financing. Like, really? But who am I to question that? Yeah. Who am I to question that? Maybe he did. I'm sure not going to go. God helped you with the financing, really? You know, but but I'm that kind of person. You know, yeah. I'm like I'm like skeptical when people say every single, you know, God made me turn left, and I found this person. You know, like I'm like, yeah, you just turned left. <laughs> 
or yeah. or or the worst one is God gave me all these riches, you know, like my business took off. It's like if that's true, then all the people in the Hollywood Hills that are loaded are all close to God. <laughs> like that just the, I don't buy the I don't buy the wealth doctrine thing. There's discernment and understanding right. that God gives blessings right. in ways and right. he rewards faithfulness. Big, big word rewards. Yeah. He rewards faithfulness right. in ways that right. sometimes are monetarily right. and very often right. are not. Right. And That's so, well well put. Because yeah. I would never say that it's never because we don't get to say that. Yeah. Maybe God maybe God blessed their business by giving them peace and discernment and mm-hmm. they made good choices. Of course. But the, you know, like God gave me the I cringe at that a little bit. Yeah, it's not like a million dollars you're just gonna magically well, show up in my bank yeah. account tomorrow. Like, <laughs> because I'm it. faithful. Yeah. You know? I don't know if God's having anybody win the lottery. But maybe. Okay. Um, know. If he would I wouldn't mind it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like that old joke where the the Jewish guy goes into the tabernacle every day and says, God, help me win the lottery. I would do such good things. Just help me win the lottery. And every day he does this for like years, like literally three years. Finally, a, a third year he's in there and says, God, please, I'm a good man. Help me win the lottery. And this voice from heaven goes, Saul, buy a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Saul, meet me halfway. Buy a ticket. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it does require action. You know, like the person that's on an island praying for God to save them and boats go by. Yeah. <laughs> and helicopters fly over. God finally goes, you know, I sent you a boat. <laughs> so it, you. Yeah. it requires, I think faith requires action too. Faith without works. Like the thing that I give myself credit for is I did take the, Los An- the LCS job. Mm-hmm. I walked through that door. I didn't say Yeah, that, that was a completely I uncomfortable, different that you could have yeah. easily been like, nah, it's not That's, for me. Yeah, I'm not good at that. How can yeah. I do that? I just went, okay. Knowing that I might get, not fired, but it, I might end the way I can't do this. You yeah. Know? And 17 years later, the biggest blessing in my life. I wouldn't even know you, Jacob. It's true. I mean, I spent my entire life knowing I wasn't going to teach. Right. Like, yeah. like there were not a lot of jobs that I was like, yeah. I'm definitely not doing yeah. that. But teaching was one that I was yeah. like, I'm definitely not doing that. And you that. were so good at it. You were never in one you of my are classes. are so good at it. No, <laughs> you no. don't know that. I know from what I've heard. I didn't I didn't audit your class. I, from I, who? I, I, although I, although from everyone. The only people who were in my class who would know whether I actually taught well are the children. Mad. And they're liars. So. Oh, they're liars. No. They're children. They don't know if they're children. I have been lied to on occasion. Like somebody told me you were 25, Jake. Who? I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's just proving his point that people uh, are liars. My knees tell me I might be 25. A three-year difference I don't think is – no, yeah. Teaching no, – following God's following God's will, having God open the door and being like, okay, I'll walk through that door, even if it doesn't appear to be something readily enjoyable or something that I would – that we would know we would have success in that's a big it's a big leap it's a leap of faith and but you kind of have to if you've had these experiences that you've trusted God in the past and he's been faithful through other stuff you might as well have it's a good it's a good path to trust that God has opened the door and is yeah, welcoming it, you in it is it's just for me i think uh 
it's so it's so unlike me. It's so unlike me to I'm so happy that I gave in to like but I think it for some people it takes their darkest hour. I think that's a shame. But I've said this to past I think even Phil I've said this too. It's like why did why does why did I have to be so broken to mm-hmm. run? Mm-hmm. And he goes, Well, it it's biblical. I mean, God, there's all sorts of evidence in the Bible that people turn to God when they're broken. Like yeah. It's okay. Like people say, "Oh, Christianity is a crutch." Yeah, <laughs> it is. This, of course, it is. Yeah. But it's it's whether or not it's true. The fact that it's a crutch doesn't make it irrelevant or doesn't dismiss it somehow. I think every religious person—I I hate the word religious, of course, just like you do—but it's a crutch. It's a way to get through life. It's add, adding meaning to. Otherwise, meaningless existentialism that's just like whatever happens, happens. You know, it adds some some depth to your experience. And then if you really dig deeper in it and it, and it becomes truth to you, then that's profound. How much are you willing to accept that the crutch is there to provide yeah, and help you? right. And so you actually lean into it more knowing that it is there. Yeah, and that makes you better. Yeah. As opposed to... Yeah having it kind of alongside you and still relying on yourself right. and making your own experience right. worse because you are right. not. And that's the battle. Yeah. That's what so many of us do. That's what all of us do to some extent. Yeah. You know, it's like hard to give up, you know, um, the thing that happened with my arm. Um, I didn't, oddly enough, I didn't question God, but I remember going, I'm screwed. Yeah. Like this thing that's led me through my entire life just kind of went away. I woke up one day of, um, three years ago and couldn't lift my arm. Hmm. It ended up as nerve damage. It's a long, long story. But how does a musician who's played guitar yeah. his whole life, you know, stop, using stop doing that? You know, like, and I was, it was tears at night, tears at night. But I never really questioned God. I kind of just was like, oh, no. What do I, what am I going to do? Questioning yourself. And people would say the obligatory things like, well, you know, like, that's not all you are. There's so much more to who you are. That's not true. <laughs> which is, that's why which is very nice and yeah. appreciating the encouragement. But yeah, that's like, you know, if, if you were a major league pitcher yeah. and you suddenly lost your ability to throw, that's a giant tears at night thing. You know, and that happens actually. All the time. Rick and Keel's book is yeah, insane. I bet. I bet. He, but the dude could hit. That, I mean, that was. Saved him yeah. in a way. Um, but anyway, um, I just stayed up. The, the, I thought, well, I'm going to show these kids faithfulness. My job kind of helped me through that. I'm going to yeah. show them that even though I'm struggling like mad, they're going to see me get through this. And then slowly came back. Yeah. And now I can play again. And you didn't just give up on it. You didn't like you. They saw you struggle, but push yeah. and work. Right. And like, that's a huge. Right. And then slowly come back yeah. to, to the extent that kids were smart enough even to go, wow, Mr. Kelly, you're playing like you used to. Like they weren't, they weren't before they go, no, no, you sound fine. But they knew I didn't, you yeah. know, we did a lot of acapella. <laughs> I'd play chords on a piano, just basic. Cause I'm not a yeah. very good piano player. Um, but man, it was like a test. I think that's one of the things about the Christian life too. That's tough is like, you don't ever like, 
pass till the end. Mm. Like it's a str- like you never know like when another struggle's coming. God doesn't promise us no struggles. Yeah. In fact, I think He promises us struggles. Awesome. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like it's not a struggle-free life, but it can be a life of peace at least, like some kind of measure of peace. My sec- I have so many secular friends or non-believers that. They'll go, what is it about, you know, they point out Christian politics that they don't like or so many things about the face of Christianity that they'll point out that they don't like. And I go, yeah, yeah, none of that. None of that is why I'm a Christian. None of that. Like even the things, not just politics, but some of the things they don't like, none of that. Here's why, you know, Mm -hmm. it's profound. It's a source of profound peace for me. And I. I pursued it and it became real to me. So it's this relationship I have with the almighty, you know, and that's not something I can tangibly show you except look how at peace I am through all this stuff. You know, my marriage is solid because of it. You know, like there's a lot of evidence that there's God working in my life. So I just, but that's, you know, to a skeptic, that's, you know, I can't do a miracle in front of them and go, yeah, See? Yeah, see, I can make this coat hanger square. Watch this, you know, like, whoa, yeah, whoa, dude, you, <laughs> is that in Matthew, you know? And then, you know, there's, it doesn't help when we have Christians doing really awful things, too. That doesn't help. No. You know, that sort of infuriates me sometimes. Like, come on. But we have, but the thing is, obviously, non-believers do awful things, too. Yeah. But when... I have a few people I'm really ministering to, and I wish some Christians would stop doing awful things because they always bring it up. You're like, what about this? And I'm like, that's why we follow Jesus and not other Christians. Yeah. Yeah. What is it that Gandhi said? I love your, I don't like your Christians, but I I love love your Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I love your Christ. I'm not that impressed by your Christians. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, I don't expect Christians to be perfect. I just don't want them to be evil. You know, yes, like, that doesn't seem like too much to ask. <laughs> like, like you could criticize Tim Tebow for being too over the top and a little embarrassing, but he's not evil. No, you know, like I would never criticize Tim. Tebow. No, but but <laughs> but I have friends that you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I didn't like Tim Tebow for I the longest time. Yeah, Love Tim Tebow. Yeah, but but he's not evil. No. He's just like constantly. <laughs> yeah, he's a little. Embar- yeah. No, I I'm all for anything Tim Tebow. Good, well, good, but you know what I mean. He's a good example. Yes. Like, like there's Christians that might come off annoying, but not evil. Yeah. No one could say, yeah, but Tim Tebow's out cheating on his wife or doing terrible things. No, but it's the ones that profess to be believers that do, like, and they're important in the culture. Mm-hmm. Like, you see them in the culture, and they, they're they just like, they have, you go, Jesus and him, or Jesus and her, you know, and you just go, what is that? I hate having to defend that. It kind yeah. of irks me. Like, come on, Christian leaders. Like, come on. Like, and that's certainly not most of them. No. I'm, I'm just thinking of a few that I don't want to name because I don't want it to be, I don't want it to go there. Yeah. I don't want fine. this to go there. Yeah. <laughs> but there's just a few. Of time anyway. Yeah. So great talking to you guys. Yeah. Thank you. It was a. Uh, Kind of me going on and on. But. That's that's how we prefer it, especially yeah. <laughs> with people with personality and yeah. Well, it's been a. You know, I feel like I have a 
inter- have lived an interesting life mm-hmm. in a way because of a life of music that wasn't just skyrocketing, yeah. but yet yeah. was still ever pre- present yeah. to this very day, to this very moment. You know? There's still much more detail we could have gone into, obviously, yeah. and a yeah. lot more to talk about. Yeah, it's cool you guys are doing this. It's good to meet you, Jake. It's nice to meet you, too. Been, you know, next time, maybe just shave for me. That's a joke. That's a joke, <laughs> folks. It's a joke. He just woke up. Just, um, that's the only thing I can think of to say. Next time, I'll shave. Nah, don't do that. Don't I do normally that. I normally have longer than this. I normally have, like, a little... Scrub. You have, like, the... Yeah, which is cool. No, I'm down. I'm just... It's the only thing I could think of. And then Jacob becomes, like, a different human every time he cuts his hair. Yeah, he just cut his hair and know, shaved the other no, day. No, he I'm does like, that. He does that. It? He's like... I, I, was, I was really digging the beard, you know? When it was I, massive? I, I, I yeah, I kind of dug beard that. Last year? My oh, son, Casey, great. has a fairly substantial beard, mm-hmm. although not as much as yours was. But... But you're, I sort of respect that about you. Like, if you see me, I always look like this. <laughs> like, even if I go in, even if I, I, go, I go to the same girl, cuts my hair for years. If I go to her and go, I want it really short this time. Let's just go down to an inch. It'd be this. She's like, no. <laughs> I'm cut. Like, I have examples of that where I'll go, I'm going way shorter this time. No, it's this length. I just got it cut back. Whereas Jacob, he like shows up as a different guy. <laughs> like you'd walk into LCS and go, whoa. But you just like own it. It's like whatever, you know. You're not like, do you like it short? If do you it, like it both if, ways? If there was a way for it to permanently be this, that's what you I would, would do. Yeah. No facial fine. hair and short hair. The yeah. only time those things are not that way is when I'm just lazy and just let it go. You could do something about permanent on your face probably, but I don't think you could laser. I don't think you can make your hair stay the yeah, exact. No, I understand. Yeah. And I understand that I am blessed with a full head. Yeah. Very look at that. Thick hair. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people you do are. not have that. You are. Every time I go in and have somebody new cut my hair, cause I just go to super cuts. Yeah, me too. But I go to the same woman. So oh. it's kind of, I used to brag about my hair when I was young. Cause I always had really thick hair. Now that I'm almost 70, it's thinner, you know? Yeah. And so I go, I feel like it's God paying me back. On the other hand, there's a lot of people my age that yeah. don't even have yeah. as much hair yeah. as I do. So. I literally just go in. It's a two on the sides and five yeah. on top. It looks and great. So anyone can do that. But the fact that you have thick hair helps that, though, because you still have a full head of hair. It's not like you shaved it. Yeah. You still have a full head of hair. It's the guys that have a full head of hair and shave it. I'm like going, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but it's personal, man. I don't tell people. What, I, yeah, yeah, it's personal. Yeah, whatever. It's I'll personal. I have a neighbor who's... Got a full head of hair and he shaves his head. I'm like, Zach, let your and he kind of looks like a gangster, kind of a little bit. I'm like, Zach, you're scaring people. You know, he's got the real muscular bald yeah. guy look, you know. But it's his yeah. choice. He obviously he goes, oh, my hair is too much, you know, and it grows out. It's just I don't like it. I've got a cowlick. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's people that would die for your hair. Well, they yeah. would, you know, but whatever. Anyway. Well, we really went off the rails there at the end. Yeah, we finished <laughs> on something totally frivolous. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having frivolous. me, you guys. It, it is a joy. an honor. Thank you for making the time and joining us. Yep. And um, I'll see you guys around, I'm sure. Yeah. I'll be at LCS tomorrow. Yes, that's right. Yeah. You're doing the chapel. I'm oh, going to yeah. try to get over there. I have a neurology appointment, but it's after chapel. I don't have to leave for USC till like, after chapel. Sweet. So I'm going to – yeah, I'll come over. Awesome. I miss you in those halls. I miss being in those halls. Yeah, it's a good place. We've got new halls here. There aren't really halls here. We well, yeah, kind of need There's you here. Big, <laughs> no, no, he's, he's big <laughs> open spaces here. Jacob's doing the right thing, but it's it would be a lie to say I don't miss you.
That's why we talk. Yeah. That's why yeah. He always picks up when I call him. I know. Well, I've been in the car a lot of times. As often as possible. Really? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, except for those times when he doesn't pick up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like I always have questions. I was like, Jacob, what do you think of my, you know. And yeah. I, I value that, and then I weigh it with what I'm thinking. I value somebody making me think about stuff. Yeah, man. Good. All right. Got to get. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Um, what? Follow us on uh, socials at F-R-O-M. Oh, wow. B-O-B-S-O-F-F-I-C-E. That is the first time I've messed it up in a while. No, okay. What's your name? My name is Jake Mathis. I'm Jacob Bomber. And that is... <laughs> oh, Tom Kell. Happy to be Tom Kell, right? I thought you guys were just signing off. We were, but we no. always have to get... I was looking at by. my shoes. Yeah. <laughs> they are nice They're... boots. Yeah, old. There's nothing better than old cowboy boots. Bye, guys. Have a great day.